0: If you want true security and peace, then you must learn to depend upon God's unfailing promises. He'll protect us with his mighty hand. He'll protect us with his angels. He will get us to where we need to be. And he will keep us safe, sheltered, and protected. How many people believe that, I wonder? If only life was that simple and we could just block everything out and, and, and read the promises of God and live for Him, it would be wonderful. But God placed us outside the garden. We're not in that cocoon of safety anymore. We're out in a world that's broken and it's messed up and people do things that are just so unpredictable and it breaks our hearts many times that we're in that place. But the reality is... We're in a world that is upset. They are looking for something, but they don't know what it is. But they continue to look. They're blinded in so many ways. I want you to do me a favor right now, if you can. Those of you under the balcony can't do this. But if you can, turn around and look at the, the, the window up here uh, right behind the Cosby family there. And look look at the image of Jesus there, and then look at the image over here of Jesus under this window. And then I want you to look up at this image of Jesus here in this window. All of these windows are covered outside with a very um, aged plexiglass. Uh, It's scarred. It's put up with the winds of time. Uh, Even Ivan, when it came through, it, it put up with that. But we saw fit some time ago, you as a congregation voted, that we wanted to secure these windows. So what we've done is we have put uh, a new covering on the outside that's, that's protective, but it also lets the true light shine through. And these windows have not changed, but if you look over here at these four windows, see the difference? These windows up here that you looked at are 116 years old. These four windows are 170 years old. See the difference that it makes? It's the same with us. Clarity of God's direction will give us a strength that we cannot have in any other form. But sometimes when we look through the lens of humanity, things get hazy. You can't see the, the, the crispness and the clearness of, of black and white. They merge together into a dull gray. And that's exactly what is going on in the life of Jacob. Jacob would get confused, and he heard the voice of God clearly. But as he walked away from God's voice, he got confused because he had several presuppositions that... that guided him into the disasters he experienced in life. One of those presuppositions was, I'm clever, and I'm smart, and I know what's best. And he was almost always wrong about that. Be careful what you presume when you come before God. That's why one of my favorite hymns, a hymn of invitation is, Just As I Am, we come to God not, not with our abilities and our, our talents and our gifts to give them over to God. We don't come and say, Lord, we'll, we'll do this and this and this for you. No, we just come and we say, here I am, just as I am, and I give you everything. You decide what I should be and what I should become. And then the light of God's truth will shine through just as clearly as it's shining through those windows there. It's funny in the world we live in, most people in America, they like money. They enjoy having money. They're worried about if they'll have enough money. People are debating, are we going to give the Americans any more money? And it's really funny, they say the government's giving you the money. Guess where the money's coming from? The money that you put in your right pocket is coming out of your left pocket. Remember that. Somebody's going to pay this bill, and that somebody's you. But we love money, but they've discovered there's something that Americans love more than money, and that's security. According to a survey done by the Pew Research Center, 59% of U.S. adults prefer a job that would offer more security and less money. They give up some of their money for security and safety. In fact, that's increased every year over the last year since 9-11 in 2001. This is true not only when times are bad, but when times are good. Most of us want our security more than anything else, but let me ask you this, is God enough to provide the security that you need? Can we trust Him to protect us from any real harm? Or do we need a backup plan just in case God fails? You see, Jacob had a backup plan. He always had a backup plan. And the problem was the backup plans never really worked. You see, there's a, there's a message here that's so powerful. It says in, in Genesis 32, when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said... We went to your brother Esau and now he's coming to meet you. And by the way, he's bringing 400 soldiers with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think that it took 400 people to bear gifts. And, and I think Jacob presumed that his brother was still angry with him. He didn't comprehend that God had control of this situation. He was coming after Jacob. Esau was with an army of men. And, and, and Jacob's backup plan was there. He'd just divide his families up and make sure if one family got wiped out, the other didn't. And notice who he put up front Leah. <laughs> put her out. Uh, he'd take care of that situation that uh, Laban got him into. And, and that's what he designed for that. He still has not figured out. Even after God gave him most of Laban's handiwork and prosperity, he still hadn't figured out that God would be in control of his situation. Jacob forgets. And he he says this in such a strange way that basically he has two camps. He thinks it's between Leah and Rachel. It's not. The camps are between what he has, and what God wants. He still has not figured out what God was doing in his life. So I want to think for a little bit about how do we protect ourselves from coming into a situation like this. How do we make sure that we don't get to the situation where our best laid plans fail and we decide we need a backup plan and we don't see God as the only plan that we need? Because we can fall into this situation, and we can get to where all our prayers are basically, God, bail me out because everything I've done has failed, and maybe you can do something that will satisfy. Where what we truly need to do is learn to trust the Lord at the beginning. First thing I want you to realize is this. Understand that failure is inevitable when God is left out. Failure is inevitable when God is left out. So many people want to plan things out, and they want it to be just beautiful and wonderful and perfect, and they try to get everything to fit together. And I think where it begins, probably, Jeff, is what we got for Christmas when we were kids, jigsaw puzzles. Remember the great jigsaw puzzles that you would put together? First, they were the great big pieces that were so easy to put together. Then they get the little bitty pieces, little tiny ones. And you've got a piece and it just fits perfectly there except for the fact that it's, got, it's a little too wide on one corner so you force it in and it, and it kind of fits and then somewhere down the road, oh, that's the wrong piece. That goes here and this piece goes there. And we do that in our lives. We try to make things fit together rather than trusting God to put our lives together. Failure is inevitable when God is left out. It tells us in verse 7 and 8, that said, In great fear and distress, Jacob divided up his peoples. He's still planning. He's still trying to work it out. Refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. That's what we are told in Proverbs chapter 3. Yet the last person some people go to counsel with is God. And it's inevitable that we will get in trouble when that doesn't happen. A hard-worn truth of this proverb is evident in an experience that happened that most of us in this room remember. In, In January of 1985, a letter went out to the entire uh, uh, engineering company at Morton Thiokol, observing that there were O-rings that didn't work correctly in the space apparatus that they had to create that went, a- went aboard the Challenger. The letters were written, and-, and the concern was let out by one of their chief engineers. He told them that There is a problem here. This is what he said. He said, it is my honest and very real fear that if we do not take immediate action to dedicate a team to solve this problem, then we will stand in jeopardy of losing a space shuttle flight. That was January of 1985. Sadly enough, in the hours leading to the launch of the spaceship Challenger, as it went out, launch in January of 1986 a, a year later people were concerned and on January the 28th we all remember very well what happened 73 seconds into its its launch sequence seven astronauts were killed and we all watched it happen If you remember, that night Ronald Reagan was scheduled to give the State of the Union address. And he canceled it. Rather, he sat in the Oval Office. And he gave a speech that is considered today one of the 40 greatest speeches in the 20th century. In that speech, he said something that opened the eyes of many people. He said this. He said, We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye, and they slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. We've got to remember that failure sometimes can be fatal, and it was in this case. Seven wonderful people who had dreams and aspirations. Of what they would accomplish there. In that mission. Were lost forever. We've got to remember that failure is always a stepping stone to change. And we must be careful not to make the same mistake Jacob made. So that comes to your next point that I want you to understand. One that Jacob did not learn. God in his sovereign will always protects us. God is not asleep at the wheel. He knows what's going on. Nothing gets by Him. He is not ignorant of what is happening. He is there. He is in control. And if something happens, it's because God chose for it to happen. We don't get to choose. God does. Notice the way God protects us. God's angels protect us. It was in a situation of immediate death that Simon Peter was in jail. He understood the next day he would be tried and he would die. Yet when the angel came into the jail to free him, he had to wake Simon Peter up. I can't wait to get to heaven and ask him, How would you sleep so soundly? I can remember times all I had to do was know that the next day I had a test to take in school and I'd stay up half the night. I can remember times when I was upset because one of our children was sick and I stayed up concerned for them. But he slept because he knew he was safe. Hebrews 1.14 asks the question, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Have we not learned that, that that God protects us, that that as we look at the images, even the images of the angels here on the mosaic above the the mother and child, that there are angels watching over us, protecting us, keeping us safe. Don't you know that God's sovereign will will lead us? Sometimes we only figure that out in the rearview mirror of life. Can we not have the faith and the vision to look beyond and to know that there's no storm that will catch him by surprise? But also remember, God's grace will surround you wherever you go. God has a way of protecting us. He will make sure that we fulfill his will. Lastly, I want you to realize this. Trust God's unwavering promises because they're perfect. Let's learn to trust Him. Trust His Word when you read it. Remember, this Bible is not an obscure, ancient document that was written by many people confused about life. This book was written by the hand of simple people, intellectuals, rich people, incredibly poor people. It was written by young people, and parts were written by people just before they died. But every word in this book was given by God to men for us. This is your book. If there was a handbook on humanity and the way they should relate to their Creator, this is it. It stood the test of time through multiples of civilizations and thousands of years. And untold layers of ignorance... That ignored it. Yet it lasts for a reason. Because it's not just written words. On a page. It's the living word of God. And God's unwavering promises. That are in this book. Will guide you. And guard you to where you're going. Genesis 32. 9 through 12 says. Then Jacob prayed. And I love this prayer. This is the first. Please understand. This is the first Honest statement that Jacob makes in his life. Listen to what he says. He said, O oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord, who said to me, he's reminding God of what he said, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff. Now, it doesn't mean his secretary and office workers. That means that stick that he walked with. He said, I have only my staff when I cross this Jordan. But now I've become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I'm afraid he will come and attack me. Now, remember this. Esau had a reason to attack him. Because he stole everything... That was Esau's by right and privilege of being the firstborn. He'd taken it all. But Esau was not poor. And he wasn't bereft of his mind. He knew what had happened. But Jacob didn't have the ability to believe that his brother could forgive. That was his blind spot. He didn't believe that God could work in the life of his brother... And God did. He was so incredibly naive about the situation. He reminded God of what he had promised. Now, sometimes it's good to do that. This prayer, if you note, it begins and ends with a promise. Jacob is simply claiming the promises of God made to him previously, which is fine. But he also does something moving in the direction ever so slowly that Jacob does of understanding his own failures in life because he acknowledged his own unworthiness. He doesn't come to God depending on his self-righteousness. He knows, I've got a problem. I've got a serious problem and, and it's my fault. So I can honestly say that Jacob's getting there. He's learning something so very important in life. Because God doesn't bless us because we're good people. We grow up with that idea sometimes, and I don't know where it came from. But it's the idea that God rewards us when we're good. And He punishes us when we're bad. Please don't believe that. In your lifetime, you will have blessings, and you will have downtimes and sadnesses but that is not God manipulating your life judgment will come not in this world but in the next but in this life God gives us grace and mercy when we don't deserve it in the midst of our sin he will bless us never confuse your suffering from the consequences of your own poor choices with God punishing you. If you go out and live a lascivious life and you end up suffering physically, emotionally, and, and, and having a horrible life because of it, it's not God punishing you. You're suffering the consequences of your poor choices. Trust me, judgment will come. God has a way of forgiving if we will trust Him And guiding us in a mighty way. One of my favorite stories is about a missionary, Frederick Nolan, who worked in North Africa for many years. He was an amazing man. And and he ran to a bad situation about the eighth year of his his term there. And they began to persecute him. They got after him one day and, and they were coming to kill him. The men had knives... And they were prepared to chop him up, literally, bring him back and sacrifice him on their altar of their pagan god because they felt like what he had shared with them was no good. When he got to the point of exhaustion, he came up to a a cave that was well known to everyone that literally you would slide down in and then it would level off and you could walk about 200 feet in this cave. At the end of which, there was a basin of water there that was fresh. And very often people would stay in there for protection. He saw it ahead and the the men were behind him not too far. He was only protected by the jungle and the trees that that hid his presence there. And he dove headlong into the cave knowing that he was cornered and he would die. He said in in one of his books where he shared this story, he said, the only reason I jumped in the cave was because I could hear in my mind, in the recesses of my mind, God saying, go to the rock, go to the rock, go to the rock. And he said, that's what I did. And I dove in. As he dove in, he knew that a 100 yards behind him, the men were coming. And he looked up at the, the mouth of the cave And he saw something that was so miraculous that it changed his whole attitude about God's mercy. There were four spiders. And the four spiders had begun a web on the edge of the cave. And suddenly, one of the spiders pulls across a very clear strand, and then another, and then another. And before the natives arrived to kill him, the front of the cave was covered With that web and suddenly dew lit on it. And it was clearly visible. The natives stood around it. They looked down in the hole. And one of them said in their native tongue, He didn't touch this. It's covered over by a web that would have taken a day to build. Let's continue. And they ran on. Frederick Nolan lived to tell the story. In his book, he shared about his life being spared. And this is what he said. These were his words that he quoted. He said, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. Where God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. He said, you can always trust God. I don't know what you're struggling with in your life, but I know this. There are plenty of situations that we struggle with these days. With the coronavirus, with the instability in major cities, with the general frustrations with life right now, not knowing what will come around the corner. But know this, that the clever planning of mankind will never get us through this situation. Only God will get us to where we need to be. And I pray that you're trusting in him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that your holy word comforts us and gives us the hope that we need in the time of dismay and frustration. And Lord, we trust you implicitly. You've never failed us, nor will you. And I pray that when we can't even see our way through the storm, we will trust that you're above and beyond that storm protecting us. And I pray that we'll know that you have a purpose for us to serve you as we serve others in the storm. And we will not be distracted by that. Father, please bless us now and give us an understanding of your will. So that we will know that which is right. Lord, speak to us now and give us hope and help and encouragement to continue to stay the march, and the pathway that we're going toward. And may we never give up. Father, speak to someone today that needs encouragement and give them what they need to continue to do your will and trust you. We pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.